0: Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness Podcast. Hi there, folks, I'd like your to come
1: Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American fan service. I'm Laurie, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band, Madness. Side Madness. This is the podcast by American Madness fans for American Madness fans. I'm Lori
2: and I'm Polly.
1: and that song you just heard was A Town With No Name by Madness um, written by Chris Foreman and the reason that we played it is because we're doing a special episode today all about Chrissy Boy, Chris Foreman.
2: Yes, and it's timely at that because on August 8th, and it would be Chrissy Boy's birthday, and that's something we try to do for the guys. is an episode dedicated to them right around their respective birthdays. So it's Chrissy Boy's turn.
1: You just talked to him recently, didn't you, Polly?
2: I did have a a moment to talk to him. He was nice enough to participate in something we're planning for a future podcast. And um, we we talked a little bit, and I uh, I just uh, happened to ask him, you know, kind of what his thoughts on having a birthday was.
0: Happy birthday! Oh, well, you know, it's not till the eighth. That's very kind of you. You know, a lot of my friends, they're really like, oh yeah, right, we're all going down the pubs for my birthday. And I'm like, but you know, you're you're 59. And you know, some people really, you know, it means a lot to them, but me, you know, it's not just because I'm kind of old, it's, you know, it's a long time ago. Really, yeah, I mean, once the started in the band, things like birthdays, it's, you you know, nothing stops for your birthday. Yeah, sometimes I'm on stage and it's my birthday. You know, that's quite fun. When we did Madstock, one of those the first time we did it yeah one day one of them was on the eighth
2: you know which was my birthday so it's nice so there you go that's a little bit of chris boy talking about uh birthdays uh so if you want to hear a little bit more from Chris boy there are more things coming up stay tuned to the future shows um shortly we'll have a show featuring uh, a little bit more commentary from chris
1: Is that all you're gonna tell us right now?
2: That is all I'm gonna tell you right now.
1: Oh, secrets. All right, so let's talk about Chris Foreman. Christopher John Foreman was born August 8th, 1956 at University College Hospital in London. His mother Rita was a dancer. His father, John Foreman was a folk singer and music hall performer known as the Broadside King. He performed traditional Cockney songs. And I actually was able to dig up. He released an album, John Foreman, released an album on reality records in 1966. And Polly, I sent you this album and you listened to it and uh, you picked a song that you really liked off this album.
2: I, I did. Um, you know, I'm not overly in love with uh, folk, uh, traditional folk songs or sea shanty-ish type of stuff. But um, there was a very cool song on there called Married to a Mermaid that I just thought was uh, fantastic. And, you know, I had heard that Chris's father was a folk singer, uh, but I just assumed that all of that stuff would have been lost to time. But I guess in the Internet age, uh, fewer and fewer things are lost to time. So it's really cool that you were able to come up with it. Should we take a listen?
1: Yeah, let's listen to it. Married to a Mermaid by John Foreman.
0: There was a gay young farmer, and he lived on Salisbury Plain. He loved a rich knight's daughter, dear, and she loved him again. But the knight was so distressed that they should sweethearts be. He had the young man president and sent him off to sea. Singing rule, Britannia, Britannia rule the waves. end to a mer my at the bottom of the deep blue sea well twas in the broad Atlantic midst the equal innotial gu that the young fellow fell overboard among the sharks and whales well he sank right down to the bottom so quickly down that
1: was a good choice, Polly I like that
2: yeah i I, I thought it was charming yeah it's pretty cool uh, yeah glad he, glad he firm it
1: and you can almost hear some Aspects of that song that would later go on to influence Madness, particularly there's that one sound effect in it that kind of reminded me of like an Ian Dury or a Madness type song. Um, I thought the whole album was really cool. I mean, I love like weird nostalgic stuff like that. So that entire album is actually available on YouTube. That's John Foreman. The name of the album is The Ouses in Between. If you're curious to hear more from Chrissy Boy's father, John check it out. Speaking of Chris's father, as we said, he was a musician. Uh, Chris described his father once as a working class intellectual. And interestingly enough, John had actually tried to teach young Chris to play the guitar. But Chris was never really interested in it. Isn't that weird?
2: Matter matter of motivation. He probably um, was at the teenage dating years at that point oh it's nothing, yeah there's nothing like a need to uh, be able to talk to girls or something that'll make you want to learn guitar
1: you know that's funny i've actually heard that from a number of musician friends interesting okay so chris was the oldest of two his younger brother peter was born in 1960 and the parents split up when chris was about 11 and the boys went to live with their father that's a very unusual arrangement for the 1960s to have children living with their father. Uh, Chris and Mike Barson and Lee Thompson were all friends from a very early age. And together they used to get into all kinds of mischief: graffiti, vandalism,
0: shoplifting. I, I told them I'm on my own. Don't they understand I'm from a broken home. I'll tell him I'm the product of a broken home And I always went out on my own Was it too late to say I'd pay? And I'll never steal again till the end of my days Because I had no friends to call as such Money and possessions, I did not have much So I started to steal in order to get by The quickness of the hand, this is the eye This is the eye
1: All right. So that was a, a snippet of a song by Manis called Deceives the Eye, which Chris co-wrote. And all of the songs in this episode today we're highlighting are going to be songs that Chris either has written or co-written.
2: And uh, so Chris's father's house was next to a railway. Uh, Chris has compared it to the Blues Brothers with the L train. And if you don't remember that scene, um, it's where they're talking about the frequency and the closeness of the train uh, as v- being virtually uninterrupted
0: how often does a train go by so often you won't even notice it
2: yeah and, and mike lee and chris would often hop the trains uh and chris again once saying uh they would jump trains go uh different places and imagine they were hobos in his teens Chris did a series of jobs uh, including gardener and painter and those jobs uh, as he says would usually end up with him being fired however hmm. uh, maybe that's the inspiration for that's the way to do it And so then, about 1976, uh, Lee convinces Chris to spend his tax refund check on a used guitar from a secondhand shop, coming in back then only at about 20 pounds. During his periods on unemployment between jobs, Chris spent his free time listening to Dr. Feelgood and trying to figure out how to play the songs. Mike, at one point, gave Chris rudimentary lessons quoted as press that one that one and that one and you've got a chord there so rudimentary uh being the the key word there
1: so here's an interesting fact i bet you didn't know polly okay chris is actually left-handed but he plays the right-handed guitar did you know that
2: i don't believe i did know that um although it's not uh quite as uncommon as you might think As you can imagine um not all guitar models lend themselves to merely being turned around the other way so yeah and also in about 1972 chris met his wife susan at a youth club they married in 1976 at the age of 19 soon after they'd have their first child matthew
1: you know, he was married at 19 and had a child. And I think to many people in 2021, that sounds really, really young. But you have to remember that this was a product of the times, right? Mid-70s. Um, that actually was very common. Uh, Chris is within a couple of years of my father's age. And my father also married my mother at 19 and I was born when he was 19. So, I mean, that was actually not unusual back then that was very very commonplace
2: no true uh the sort of um i would surmise it's kind of like well if you're if you've uh got to go off to school go off to school if you've got a trade go do your trade um but if you don't have anything else going just go on and get on with your life do do something and i know that uh, many people uh that kind of took that route.
1: All right, so we've already talked in a number of our episodes about the history and the formation of the band Madness, so I won't spend too long on that. But uh, Chris, Lee, and Mike used to spend time together at the Barson House with their piano, sax, and guitar, trying to figure out how to play. Eventually, they kind of lost interest in this petty crime and got it in their minds that they were going to start a band. And eventually, John Hassler and Carl Smith found their way into the group. By the end of June, 1977, the boys, along with a singer named Dickran, who was friends with Mike, were invited to play in the back garden at a friend's party. And that was the first official show of the invaders. Chris is quoted as saying, awful it was, at one point there was a lot of people there, then there were two people there, then there was someone being sick in a bush. So it sounds like it was a pretty, pretty terrible show. All right, so I'm gonna play a track from roughly around that time, one of the early tracks from the band. Now, this is not actually from that 1977 original show. As far as I know, no recordings exist from that show. But this is from 79, and this is one of the band's early rehearsals. This is Stepping Into Line.
2: By 1978, the band had finalized their lineup. Uh, They had rented a practice space in a basement beneath a dentist's office. At that point, Suggs, Woody and Betters had joined the band, and Hassler kind of stepped aside a little bit and um, acted as manager. Around this time, they also began writing their own songs in earnest, as opposed to just playing covers. Early on, Mike and Chris wrote a number of the melodies and then the other members, usually Suggs or Lee, would write the lyrics.
1: Very early on, Suggs and Chris emerged as a strong writing partnership. They'd sometimes take a bus together and according to Suggs, half the songs were written on the top deck of the bus. Now, Chris and his young family moved into a council flat and while he was redecorating his son's bedroom, they brought in a little lamp, and he and Suggs co-wrote In the Middle of the Night.
0: Nice man George, who's agent on the corner. Not very rich, but never any poorer. you old George, a happy 63. Not very tall, but healthier than me. He whistles timeless tunes as he saunters down the street springs in his legs and elastic in his feet but in the middle of the night he steals through your garden gives your hosiery a fright and doesn't say pardon as soft as a breeze
2: Chris is the one who would jokingly suggest renaming themselves Madness after the song. So, of course, Madness, by that point, the song was in their repertoire. And uh, if you watch Take It or Leave It, there's a a little snippet in there about just that thing. Um, Somebody suggesting when they seemed out of ideas, well, why don't we take a song from our repertoire and call ourselves that? Now, we know the Madness story from here. Uh, The Prince single on two-tone, signing to Stiff Records, etc. Chris's marriage to Susan was starting to feel a little strained. As Chrissy describes it, I was out working three nights a week. I used to get lonely. He missed seeing his boy grow up. And so subsequently, they split in 1981.
1: Chris was the most mature member of the band. Not only was he the oldest, he was also the first one to get married, to have the responsibilities of a child, a family. Maybe that's why he was always the responsible one in the band. It seems like he was always the one keeping an eye on the band's bottom line. For example, uh, making sure that the contracts were were fair, making sure that people weren't spending too much money. He has a very even temper and was reportedly nicknamed by a crew member, "the man who never sweats." As I understand it, too, I think he really was a. Um, a balancing force with carl because Mm -hmm. carl was very fiery and very passionate and from what i understand chris was the one who could kind of even him out and of course as we know from our previous episodes the band did break up in
2: 1986. in 1988 Suggs, chess mash lee thompson and chris continued under the name the madness now chris happened to be a big fan of the Watchmen comic book. He contacted artist Dave Gibbons, and Dave then designed the cover for the album and the single. And why don't we take a listen to the song, Thunder and Lightning.
1: I think people tend to forget about The Madness, you know, that one-off kind of project. But uh, I think Chris wrote like three of the songs on the album. That was one of them.
2: It it is an underrated and underappreciated album. But I think that's for, uh, you know, probably personal and sentimental reasons. I don't think a lot of people were ready to uh, kind of accept any version of Madness that wasn't the original.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Unlike many of the other band members who worked on a lot of side projects, Chris really didn't have a lot of side projects. So during that hiatus when the band was broken up in 1990, Chris and Lee formed a side project that was originally called the Nutty Boys. But then there was this mix up with the printer where the the band was supposed to be called the Nutty Boys, the album was supposed to be called Crunch and somehow it got switched. So the name of the band became Crunch And it's probably just as well because I think the Nutty Boys seem to be maybe trading a little bit on the madness image. So I think Crunch had indicated to people that this was a a, a separate entity. So as Crunch, they released one album, which was called The Nutty Boys. Now, Crunch was, besides Lee on vocals and Chris on guitar, Paul Tadman on bass, Spider on drums and backing vocals, Dave Lazaro on organ. Louis Vaus on piano, and Stephen N. on saxophone. All of the songs on the album, with the exception of the Beethoven song, were written by Lee and Chris. And even though this was a one-off project, it seems like every few years, Crunch would reappear. I know they played at Camden's Underworld 2000, and they played the House of Fun Weekender in 2015. Um, this is one of my favorite songs by Crunch, again, which Chris and Lee wrote together. I really like Chris's guitar on this album. Uh, this song is called Magic Carpet.
0: There's no peace for the wicked, for the of you and me, so- listen to
2: In 1992, Chris married his second wife, Lawrence. They would have a son, Felix, in 1993. And around that time, in 1992, the Divine Madness compilation was released and spent three weeks at number one on the UK charts. On the heels of that success, Chaz began pushing for a reunion. This, of course, led to Madstock, if you remember from episode 17 when we spoke about that, and periodic shows thereafter. Let's take a song from Madstock. Let's listen to Close Escape. That was a close escape.
0: you be Something less conspicuous won't take up too much time. Something less energetic. for what's up? Chris and Lawrence divorced in September
1: 1995, and the band continued to play scattered live shows here and there, especially Christmas shows. And there were a few other mad stock shows every few years. Eventually, they would release in the UK, the album Wonderful, which was their first album of new material with all seven original members since 1985, 14 years. Now I mentioned earlier that Chris was maybe the one person that knew how to keep Carl balanced. The band chose to leave Carl's song Wonderful off of the album. So, Chris was the one that actually suggested titling the album Wonderful as a Compromise. All right, so then looking forward, Chris married his third wife, Melissa, in July 2001. Their son, Frankie, was born in April 2002. Then in 2005, we had the Dangerman Sessions. And Polly, you and I did that episode on the Dangerman Sessions a couple of months ago. Chris was in the studio with the band to record the Dangerman Sessions Volume 1 in 2005 but he left the band before the album was released and you might recall if you listen to our episode on the Dangerman sessions um i think he was a little bit unhappy with the fact that the record label really wanted them to put out an album of covers so when chris left kevin Burdett took over on guitar chris did rejoin madness in december 2006 just in time for their christmas tour shortly after the birth of his daughter elfie I think I mentioned this at the end of the previous episode. Since we have been doing this podcast, I've really come to appreciate how much Chris really does bring to the group. I mean, I knew he was a guitarist. I knew that he was a, a songwriter for many of their hits. But for example, when we interviewed their tour manager, Steve Martin in episode 22, Steve said Chris was a driving creative force behind the recent Live stream of the get up. Much of the vision of that show was Chris's, according to Steve Martin. And on recent albums, Chris has continued to be a songwriting powerhouse. Now, there's one song that Chris co wrote here that I really would like us to listen to. This is about somebody else from Camden, Amy Winehouse. Chris co wrote this after her death. This is a song called Blackbird.
0: She looked back at me and smiled. She winked one deep black mascara eye. Well, I narrowly missed the lamppost as I made to make my reply. And black taxis, flashes diesel rainbows through the neon air.
1: polly i believe it's time for some alternative facts
2: okay yes so it has been a while um since i've done any alternative facts uh it tends to be a little bit easier to do when it's about one of the uh, folks in the band uh but i am still kind of taking it a little easy on chrissy this week on account of we've done a little bit of picking on the boy already uh if those of you um, who are fans of the YouTube, uh, we have a new YouTube channel, and we are posting our first Stateside Madness produced video, and in which I explain the fabled and storied Chris Quaffian calendar. Now, we've mentioned it maybe a couple of times. We've mentioned it even, I believe, in the group. I've never really got around to explaining it. Man, I'm not going to do that right now. But go ahead, go check out Stateside Madness YouTube channel and look for that video.
1: It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's absolutely hilarious.
2: The most funny thing about it is how ill-equipped I am to make any sort of video. I probably shouldn't have learned how to operate a video camera the evening before I tried making the video. But nonetheless, there it is. Well, I, I eagerly anticipate your feedback on that. But let's now move right on to some alternative facts in the segment. Don't quote, surprise.
0: Surprise. don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on don't that. Don't quote me on that. Please don't, don't, me quote, on me on
2: don't quote me on that. Hey. Don't quote me on this. But. Chrissy Boy wrote Madness is all in the mind one time when he was convinced he was just imagining himself and the six other guys. In the pantheon of great guitarists, Chris falls between Mark Boland and Dave Hill, alphabetically. Always one to keep up with the times. Chris is re-releasing Our House as Our Airbnb on September 8th. Chris once had his lawyer send Disney a cease and desist letter because he thought they used his likeness as the inspiration for the Beagle Boys from DuckTales. Come on, give them some royalties. All 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 right. So as we like to do when we're talking about band members, uh, Lori and I uh, like to pick our top five songs that the band member has writing credits on. And a sort of unofficial rule is that we, we we tend to veer away from ones where all Um, writing credits are distributed amongst all the members. So, you know, really where somebody has a concentrated amount of effort put into the song. Thankfully, Chrissy Boy has an awful lot of writing credits. He really does a great uh, deal of the work in the band. So let's get right to it. Our top five choices. Lori, what is your number five?
1: My number five choice, Chris co-wrote with Carl, Cardiac Arrest.
0: the morning, bowler hat on head. Walking to the bus stop, he's longing for his bed. Waiting with his neighbors in the rush hour. Got to get the first bus, so much for him to do. He's got to hurry, got to get his seat. Can't miss his place, got to rest his feet.
2: Ten more minutes and he gets there, the, the cross was nearly. All right, Lori. So why did you pick Cardiac Arrest?
1: It's just a, it's a fun, up-tempo song. It's got a really good, memorable chorus to it. So this song was actually banned by some radio stations because of the title. They never actually mentioned Cardiac Arrest in the song, but the idea is, you know, the, the person is having one. So uh, because of the title that was banned on a number of radio stations. What do you think of cardiac arrest, Polly?
2: I do like cardiac arrest, you know, it, uh, along with the fact that it speaks to somebody having cardiac arrest. Uh, of course, it, it, uh, it paints a little bit of a picture of what somebody's, um, uh, a short snippet of somebody's life is trying to get to, get to work on time. So um, in, in that respect, it's a bit peculiar, you know, choice for, for songwriting, uh, but they pulled it off quite successfully.
1: So what was your number five choice, Polly?
2: For my number five, I picked Yesterday's Men, a composition by Chris and Suggs.
1: and that one kind of took me by surprise i wasn't expecting you to put that song on here because um, you're not a huge fan of the the mad not mad album are you
2: i'm, I'm really not that much of a fan of mad not mad and um, i do believe even in the last episode i said that one of the b-sides uh i think um, would have been better than any song on the album but um, i do like the sentimentality of yesterday's Man. And um, it happens to be, I think, one of Suggs's better vocal deliveries across the whole song. Okay, so Lori, what would your number four choice be then?
1: You know, I have to put a Crunch song on here, Polly. So I'm going to play "It's Okay, I'm a Policeman" by Crunch. Hold it
0: I can't seem to afford to start no more. Domestic violence baffles me the silence. <laughs> He's putting bang, banger bangin' on my bedroom wall. So, I'm, I'm a policeman. Put the lady down. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's no surprise, no secret to anybody who listens. I love crunch. I I really enjoy the the samples that they used on this song. It's funny. It's very tongue-in-cheek, you know? Um, I know this wasn't in your top five, but you do, you are a fan of this song, too, aren't you, Polly?
2: Oh, yeah, very much so, and a fan of crunch. When people... Either step away from the band, or, or in this case, maybe you say the band stepped away from them. Often their side projects go real sideways, real quick, um, and often that's for trying to um, directly mimic or recreate the style that they had in the band. The crunch is just a huge departure in a lot of ways. Um, so it was great, and I would argue it's probably. If, I think if we ask the guys. It's probably was a great deal cathartic because it wasn't as though, I mean, I'd never say they were not putting a lot of effort in, but I think the whole point of everything that they were doing with Crunch was just to have fun and probably not, not sweat the small stuff, you know? So uh, I, I think Crunch altogether is just a fantastic and fun project, and I don't think anything um, represents that better than it's okay, I'm a policeman. I mean, it's a super fun song.
1: Yeah, I think in many cases, not always, but in many cases when a band splits up and does side projects, that reinvigorates their creative energy. I think that this side project, it let uh, Chris and Lee really kind of get creative in ways that they hadn't done before with things like the samples with Lee on vocals instead of sax. Um, I I think I remember reading that the record company had some reservations about that because they didn't really see Lee as a front man. Their songwriting skills really shine here, both Chris and Lee. And um, so, yeah, the whole Crunch Project very near and dear to my heart. Polly, what was your number four?
2: I chose uh, Uncle Sam for my number four. Why don't we take a listen?
0: I've got studies to examine Tomorrow <laughs> And tomorrow I'll be watching all the Queens men the Talent contest on Monday with my uncle sir Who takes a all
2: No, don't, don't you ask me why I chose Uncle Sam.
1: Oh, OK. <laughs> Polly, why did you choose Uncle Sam?
2: Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I had to choose something. No. Uh, so Uncle Sam's a fun song. Uh, the Stateside Madness Project has been very uh, near and dear to my heart since we took this on. And um, hey, let's, let's uh, just say, as the U.S. tour approaches, um the sailing across the sea to see my uncle sam is kind of play play in my head constantly uh no it's it's a it's it's got all those hallmarks of great madness song that i like upbeat fun funny song uh i would argue a reasonably you know strong melody to it too what are your thoughts on uncle sam
1: Uh, really good song i was actually just thinking you mentioned the american tour i'd i hope they play this on the american tour I mean i doubt they will i don't think it's been in their repertoire for a while but man it would be so cool if they did
2: they've had nothing but two years to to practice any song they want <laughs> they could they could put it back in the lineup all right um so Lori, number three what do you got shut up no Lori. it's your number three song what do you got
1: shut up
0: Look at the daylight, the less I do wrong. Now pass the blame and do
2: So, Lori, why did you shut up? (laughs)
1: Um, You know, I really wanted to pick a song that showcased Chris's guitar. I think he's a really, really underrated guitar player. And um, so I know he's got this specialized project collaboration coming up soon, where they're doing uh, the Queen song, and he's going to be playing guitar on that, which I'm really looking forward to. I mean, besides the fact that it is a really clever song, uh, Chris's guitar really stands out for me. What do you think of Shut Up?
2: Uh, well, I've always liked it. I do like the, uh, the, little, the little play, the little storytelling um, in the song. Uh, nice, concise. Um, it does pretty well at painting a picture of what those guys were like in their youth. So, yeah.
1: Interestingly enough, in the video, um where they're all kind of miming different parts of the song the part that chris mimes is i've got a wife and three kids you know and apparently the band made him say that line because he was the one that was married and had kids so that's why they made him say that line Finny. polly what's your number three
2: i chose uh primrose hill oh yeah another Suggs and chris composition uh why don't we listen to a little bit of it All right, so Lori, thoughts on Primrose Hill?
1: Well, Amy, we've talked about it a little bit in uh, in the episode on the Madness compilation. Very unusual subject matter for a song where we're talking about somebody who suffers from agoraphobia, who's afraid to go out. Uh, this is another really, really good composition by Chris and Suggs. They really seem to have a very good songwriting chemistry together. With uh, Chris writing the melody, Suggs coming up with the lyrics, Shut Up, which I just played, was another one that they co-wrote, Yesterday's Men, which you played, and then some other ones which we're going to listen to here soon, too. Why did you choose Primrose Hill, Polly?
2: I just love that line about children biting animals. (laughs) But I I, I live really close to Stephen King, so that might explain that. But no, I I mean, it's a fantastic song um you know it's it's a staple it's a it's a classic madness song and uh i could come up with some reason but really i mean everybody knows why it's, why it's awesome Ah, uh, Lori, what's your number two
1: my number two is off of the album the liberty of norton folgate another suggs and chrissy boy composition that close <laughs> I had to include something off of the Liberty of Norton Folgate. I do enjoy that song very much. And when we interviewed Chris back in episode 15, I asked him about this song because there had been a story that it was actually kind of inspired by a near miss car accident. But Chris said, nope, absolutely not. That was incorrect. But it is a really good metaphor for losing control in a relationship or slipping and sliding, skidding on the surface, right? What do you think of
2: uh, that close, Polly? Well, I do. I do like it. Um, you know, there's there's just nothing on Fulgate, really, that I don't like. Um, and uh, while I like sentimentality and, um, you know, I'm not that, you know, relationshipy sort of stuff, uh, not my thing song-wise, but all that being said, it's got all the other things I like in a madness song. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I think it's a good, good song, good choice for you.
1: Well, thank you. Now, your number two choice, Polly. Something that you said about this song in a previous episode is now a mental picture that I cannot get out of my head. You,
2: Do you are want to introduce- welcome.
1: <laughs> Do you want to introduce your number two song?
2: My number two is Calling Cards, a composition by Tomo and Chrissy Boy.
0: In office in the old Kent Road. Case from coast to coast. A nice little number if you're out of work and on not the sort to post You're in need of a job, of a job, of a job. I'm your man to see. I'll sit, I'll listen, I'll not say a word. The less said, will be best for me Ooh, what a firm and naughty voice. Ooh, I've been a naughty boy. We don't wanna mark each other's card except the one you need. I need you and to help build my, company. my twins they don't come
2: back. Yeah, in the land. All right, Lori, Lori so, what's, what's that image, Lori, that you can't shake?
1: You said in a previous episode something about you dancing around in your underpants to this song. Uh,
2: well, I mean, that line, you know, ooh, ooh, I've been a naughty boy. I mean, come on. Uh, you know why why wouldn't anybody constantly be repeating that in their in their mind yeah. or humming along to it or sliding through the house risky business style it's a great song so
1: are you a boxers man or a briefs man
2: i'm a briefs man proud really really Absolutely. i
1: yeah. i i i would have expected boxers okay anything else that you want to add about calling cards now that we no. uh have
2: why totally... do you love why do you love calling cards lori
1: i i think it's it's very clever subject matter so many of their early songs were about petty crimes and this one is about um stealing credit cards from the mail i can't think of any other song that anyone has ever written about stealing credit cards from the mail Uh, So for that reason, it gets a thumbs up from me.
2: All right. So this ought to be the big ones then. So Lori, what's your number one pick?
1: Okay. Well, I picked Our House, which was written by Chris and Carl. And yes, I know it's been played to death on American radio, television. I chose it because this is the song that first introduced me to madness and i remember in particular seeing chrissy boy you know playing on the tennis racket and then he's kind of going through you know the the 60s rocker the 70s glam you know that part of the video really stuck out in my mind Um, Now, the part of the song that I'm going to play is actually I'm going to start with the guitar solo, because one of the things that Chris told us in episode 15 was that part of the reason he wrote this guitar solo is because he didn't want Lee to have yet another saxophone solo. So um, let's listen to our house.
2: on our house so our house um wasn't my introduction to madness absolutely was and then there was a bit of a gap um when i just wasn't finding madness albums and uh but i had been proselytizing and trying to get my friends to like madness and had been at that for a while when our house came out and so that was kind of like spiking the volleyball after hearing our house and, and my friends hearing it. And of course it appearing on MTV, it was like being able to say there, I told you they're fucking awesome, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, our house, aside from being a great song, which I absolutely love for all the reasons anybody would, um, it also kind of helped me out a little bit. It was kind of like, there you go. That's all the credibility I need. I told you they were awesome. They're awesome.
1: All you have to do, somebody says, oh, I've never heard of Madness. All you have to do is sing a few bars. Our house in the middle of our street. And oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. Without our house, I would not know who Madness are. So I'm very, very grateful for this song. Polly, what is your number one Chrissy Boy composition?
2: Well, it won't surprise our uh, listeners at all, but it just happens to be the best madness song ever. I picked Baggy Trousers.
0: Naughty boys in nasty schools, and masters breaking all the rules, having fun and playing fools, smashing up the woodwinds, all the teachers in the pub, passing around the ready rub, trying not to...
2: okay Lori. so i've said it a lot but why don't you tell the listeners why baggy trousers is the best madness song ever
1: don't put me on a spot like that <laughs> that's not fair that's a you
2: knew you knew there was going to be a quiz professor
1: <laughs> um it's one of those it's in the tradition of like the ian Dury songs that make a list right? We're listing things from childhood, naughty boys in nasty schools, headmasters breaking all the rules, right? And and that kind of a format of song works for me. I like that. I've said before, I can't stand the word trousers. Nobody uses the word trousers, except for maybe like my grandfather would have used the word maybe. Actually, no, I think he would have used the word slacks. Such a weird word. Um, But why did you choose Baggy Trousers, sir?
2: It was uh, a very different song, you know, when I first got that album, which was for me in in 1982. It was uh, one of the very first albums I think I was ever able to purchase with my own money. Um, So the album in itself is very near and dear to me. But if you think about what I had been exposed to for music um, as a kid, um, it would have been all 1970s AOR rock for the most part. That was just like uh, shattering the mold, that song was for me. It was vastly different than anything I'd heard. And like you referred to with ian Dury, i think the vocal patterning on it is very fairly reminiscent of a lot of zappa stuff and i'm a huge zappa fan um and just the weirdness of it you know it's it's just a fantastic song i don't know i could uh we've got to keep the podcast to about an hour i could just go on forever about it so well why don't i stop there
1: well you know i think we might have both talked about this a little bit in previous episodes but yeah what was going on when we were growing up um this aor uh album oriented rock radio right i mean you turn on the radio it was the eagles um
2: oh, fuck eagles god damn it I yeah. hate that, man
1: what else was big back then, like Ted Nugent. And then we had like, you know, Olivia Newton-John and the more kind of pop end of the spectrum. So yeah, Madness was for me, and it sounds like for you, something refreshing. It was very different than what we were accustomed to listening to. Cool, all right. So that concludes our top five songs. Written or co-written by Chris Foreman, the guitarist whose birthday is Sunday, August 8th. Happy birthday, Chris.
2: Yes, absolutely. Happy birthday, Chris. And, and, and thank you for being such a uh, a supporter of Stateside Madness. He's definitely um, been willing to help us out a great deal. So what to look for next, uh, folks. On August 22nd, we're going to be putting out the betters episode uh, just in time for his birthday. His birthday being on August 24th. And August 22nd will also be the one-year anniversary of our podcast. Yay! Yeah, I, um, this has been a strange um, and uh, delightful experience. And um, thanks, to, thanks to Lori, who actually knew something about podcasting, uh, has kind of brought me a bit into the 21st century.
1: Hey, um, Polly, are we going to give anything away for our anniversary show?
2: why not? Absolutely. Um, so our friends at BMG records uh, have in the past given us many, many copies of the our house, the very best of madness compilation. And we'd love to give some more away. So tune in to episode 27. We're going to explain how you can enter to win a CD or LP of the compilation album. Our house. Yeah, it's gonna be great.
1: Maybe we'll throw in some of those new stateside madness badges.
2: Oh, why not mm. We've got them by the pant load? There's a ton of them. Okay. So
1: for the closing song today, let me explain to you why I chose what I chose before I play it. In the very early days of the band, the singing duties were actually shared. I know we think of Suggs as being primarily the lead singer. But in the early days, we had Lee doing the vocals on Land of Hope and Glory and Razor Blade Alley. Very, very early on, we had Mike Barson singing My Girl. And very early on, we had Chrissy Boy singing Bed and Breakfast Man. So I'm gonna play the John Peel session of Bed and Breakfast Man. And this is actually Chris Foreman on vocals. And I guess on that note, thank you again for listening. Again, happy birthday, Chris.
2: Yes. Happy birthday, Chris.
1: And uh, it's a goodbye for
2: me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness.